The Lord be with you. A reading of the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. While some people were speaking about how the temple was adorned with costly stones and votive offerings, Jesus said, All that you see here, the days will come when there will not be left a stone upon another stone that will not be thrown down. Then they asked him, Teacher, when will this happen? And what sign will there be when all these things are about to happen? Jesus answered, See that you are not deceived. For many will come in my name saying, I am he, and the time has come. Do not follow them. When you hear of wars and insurrections, do not be terrified. For such things must happen first, but it will not immediately be the end. Then he said to them, Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be powerful earthquakes, famines and plagues from place to place, and awesome signs and mighty signs will come from the sky. Before all this happens, however, they will seize and persecute you. They will hand you over to the synagogues and to prisons. They will have you led before kings and governors because of my name. It will lead you to giving testimony. Remember, you are not to prepare your defense beforehand, for I myself shall be with you and give you wisdom in speaking, that all your adversaries may be powerless to resist or refute. You will even be handed over by parents, brothers, relatives, and friends, and they will put some of you to death. You will be hated by all because of my name. But not a hair of your head will be destroyed. By your perseverance, you will secure your lives. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. may be seated. It was truly an architectural wonder of the world. The temple that Herod the Great built in Jerusalem. On the screens you'll see a brief overview of an artist's rendering of the temple and the compound of the temple. The temple construction began in 20 B.C. and lasted for 46 years. To understand how big it is, as you look at this little picture, it was four football fields wide, five football fields long. It was covered with white marble and could be seen miles away as white-capped snow. Its columns were four stories high and topped with gold leaf. The total area of the temple compound that you see before you was 1.6 million square feet, which is equivalent to 30 soccer fields. In its day, 
it was considered by the Romans to be one of the great marvels of the world. No wonder the disciples of Jesus as they were going through its courts were in awe of it. It was truly a captivating sight. But Jesus cautions them. The day will come when this beautiful temple that you see before you will be destroyed. Not one stone will be left upon another. They were shocked and disturbed by such a statement. How could it happen? But it did. In 70 AD, the Roman army, led by the soon-to-be emperor Titus, breached the walls of Jerusalem and the temple compound and thoroughly destroyed it. In fact, the only thing left of that temple that you see is the foundation called the Wailing Wall to this day in Jerusalem. This fulfilled the words that Jesus said that not one stone will be set upon another. To commemorate this victory, you see on the screen before you the Titus Arch. It was built in 81 AD, 11 years after the destruction of the temple. It was to commemorate Emperor Titus's victory over the Jewish revolt and the destruction of the temple. On the next slide, you will see on the inner wall of that arch is a carved relief, a huge, it's, it's big, it's big. And it is of the plundering of the temple in Jerusalem. And there you will see slaves carrying the menorah, which was the sacred lampstand in the holy place of the temple. The foretelling of the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem is used by Jesus to caution his disciples, to warn them and to warn us of placing hope in things that have no permanence. What may appear to be strong and beautiful is ultimately weak. What appears to be a winner will lose in the end of days. The seduction of our world, of our culture, and let's just be more specific, of our American way of life and what is happening in our society and how we are, it can be very intoxicating. As intoxicating as the temple was to the disciples of Jesus and to all of the Jews. We can be drawn to trust in things ultimately that really have no permanence. You know, if this church building, beautiful church building, many of us were involved with the building and all of this, You know, if this church building was destroyed, would it destroy Trinity? Absolutely not. Because the church isn't a building. It's just a tool that the Lord uses for people who gather around Jesus and his word and his sacrament. You see, we are a people of hope. As I said as I introduced the worship today, We understand that Jesus is coming again. He promised and he gave us signs of his return. And we pray for that. We are a people of faith because we know that this world is passing away with all of its desires, enticements, and lusts because we look for a heavenly city, the new Jerusalem, 
the end of days. That's why Jesus cautions you and me in our gospel reading. See to it that you are not led astray. For many will come in my name saying, I am he, and the time is at hand. Do not go after them. And when you hear of wars and conflicts, do not be terrified, for these things must first take place, but the end will not be at once. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes, and in various places, famine and plagues. And there will be terrors and great signs from the heavens. They will lay their hands on you, and they will persecute you. You will be delivered up even by parents and brothers and relatives and friends. And some of you, they will put to death. You will be hated by all people because of my name. But not a hair of your head will perish. For by your endurance you will gain your lives. Before the coming of our Lord at the end of days, Jesus indicates that there will be false pastors and teachers who will emerge from his church, who will tell people what they want to hear, who will be seduced by the world and try to seduce God's people. He also tells us that there will be political upheaval and social unrest against the followers and the church of Jesus Christ. In fact, he even says that your own family and friends will stand against you and betray you because you follow Jesus and obey his word. All of these trials, our Lord indicates, will be an attempt to lead you astray, to seduce you, to coax you, to do what? To compromise your faith. To maybe not completely walk away from Jesus, but just take a little step away. To put your hope in something or someone else. You know, it will be easier that way. And it will certainly be safer. I mean, you won't have conflict. Who wants conflict? Why be rejected and ridiculed at school, at college? Why be ostracized at work? Why? Why have family and friends turn their back on you? Come on, just throw in the t- Just get with the program. I mean, everybody else feels that way. Why can't you... Everybody else thinks that way. Just accept it. It's okay. You can have Jesus and all that other stuff too. It's a lot easier than being called a bigoted fool for following Jesus Christ and obeying his word. Accept what you see all around you. Not what you hope for. 
In just a few days from our gospel reading, Jesus, on a Friday, would be carrying his cross outside Jerusalem to a place called the Skull, the place of death. From that cross, Jesus could raise his eyes and of all things, see the magnificent temple that Herod the Great built. What a contrast and truly a paradox. Because God would no longer be found in that magnificent temple with all of its sacrifices and votive offerings, but found on an ugly cross of a dying fool executed as a criminal of the state. Jesus once told the Pharisees, his disciples in the temple, he says, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up again. And they laughed at him. (laughs) It took a lifetime to build this temple, Jesus. They thought of him as an absolute fool. But Jesus had the last laugh. Because on the third day, he was raised from the dead. And his body becomes the holy temple in which we worship. And in that resurrection of our Lord on the third day, the world was and is forever changed. And we were given a courageous hope to live in this world. The Apostle Paul has these words that I have on the screen. The word of the cross is folly, foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Think about those words. Today we do something utterly foolish, my brothers and sisters, in the eyes of a watching world. We take our time to gather here and to surrender our lives to Jesus. Our bodies, our souls, our minds, everything we are and have, we give it to Jesus. And what does he do? He offers himself to us. His holy sacrifice on that cross so many years ago, coming here to us today. My body given for you. My blood shed for you for the forgiveness of your sins. And he is the one who invites us in this Eucharist, in this Mass, to come and follow me. And where does our Lord lead us? Through the valley of the shadow of death unto life. He leads us from a world filled with error into truth. From a life of despair and darkness into hope and light. And through him, 
we learn to love those who hate us, to speak words of kindness to those who despise us, to return good for evil done to us, to forgive those who hurt us, to stand up for the defenseless, and even if it is God's will, to surrender our life for our confession that Jesus is Lord. In the early days of the Communist Revolution in China, 1949, many churches were closed and Christians were gathered and executed for the name of Jesus. There was a small group of Christians meeting privately in a home During their worship service, suddenly the doors opened and three communist soldiers came in with weapons drawn. They shouted to the Christians to get against the wall to be executed. The soldiers said, if any of you are not believers, you're free to leave. Some of them fled. But a group of faithful followers joined hands and stood against that wall, waiting for their execution. After the unbelievers had left, the account tells us that the soldiers lowered their weapons and they said, We too are believers in Jesus. And we wanted to find a group of Christians who were willing to stand up and die for their faith. May we join you. I asked Jacob, our worship leader, to sing a song that I heard oh many years ago written by one of my favorite Christian recording artists, Michael Card. It's entitled God's Own Fool. When he wrote it at the time, uh, he got a lot of flack for it. And maybe you'll understand when you hear the song. But this song is based on the words of the Apostle Paul where he said the words of the cross is foolishness to the world, to those who are perishing. I think the song speaks for itself. The words will be on the screen. And so as Jacob sings this song, ponder these words by Michael Card. It seems I've imagined him all of my life as the wisest of all of mankind. God's holy wisdom is foolish to man He must have been out of his mind Even his family said he was mad And the priest said the demon's to blame God's in the form of this angry young man Could not have seemed perfectly saved 
Come follow me, said Jesus.